welcome to the Keen on Yoga podcast, bringing you the stories of many people who in various ways are attempting to walk the path of yoga. Our intention is to inspire your own practice and commitment to yoga beyond the mat and in all areas of life. We consider this an offering, a service to the community and labour of love. If you feel inclined, any donations are appreciated, just visit our page and click the donate button at www.keenonyoga.co.uk forward slash podcast. I hope you enjoy the show. Santina Jardina Chard is a unique human being. I'm not only talking about her asana practice. Although she first came on my radar, in her 2009 now legendary video filmed with her primary teacher Mark Tongley, which chronicled her advanced aid practice. Incredible. When I opened up our meeting, she immediately asked, how was I really feeling? And this, this kind of intensity and wish for direct connection in life I'd heard about from others. Through a difficult youth involving heroin addiction and anorexia bulimia, the Ashtanga practice probably literally saved her life. And yet she's also honest that it can also, if not used for its truest aim, clarity, be unhelpful, if not detrimental. So the interview was a complete honor to be part of. And Santina speaks endlessly from the heart and little of it about how to do yoga postures. She refers to herself as a wild woman, and this she really is. She carves her own path as a teacher, as well as a person delving deep into the most fundamental question of our life, how to reconnect with our own being. So welcome to the Keenan Yoga podcast, Santina. Hola, Adam. How are you today? Well, um, well, yeah, um, apprehensive of this deep conversation we're going to have, I'm sure. Um, Let's just start off with the uh, the basics then, like just give us an overview of how you came to yoga, because I know that you've had a different journey with it. A little, little bit of background. Oh, yeah. this story. Yeah, sorry. This story, Adam, yeah. how many times have I, I know, say? I know, I know. <laughs> okay. It is intriguing and it is, you know, <laughs> it is an incredible story. Yeah, yeah. Just basically, then you can get on to talking about what you want to talk about. I was two years estranged from my quintessential lover, heroin. <laughs> I fell in love with heroin, but I was two years clean. Well, not clean. I was still, I was still in the methadone program. Um, and yeah, I was still in the methadone program when I found Ashtanga. Um, and I was traveling from the Gold Coast to Queensland to finish my final year of my law degree, which took me 13 years because I was just a junkie the whole time. You finished it, wow. And I was, yeah, I finished it. Incredible. Fantastic. Yeah. I yeah. finished it. And I even did six months of six months of my articles of clerkship, but I was just keeping looking at my watch going, got to get to Ashtanga, got to get to yoga, got to get to yoga, got to get to yoga. I wasn't even focused on any of my work. And so I just went in one day and said, I quit, I'm going to yoga, bye. <laughs> so, yeah, I finished my first year, my final year of law at UQ and um, I was punching the bag and running and doing all sorts of things to try and, get the nerve energy out because, you know, like when you when you give up an addiction, mm, mm. there's still a lot of creative creative force, creative nerve energy right. that was taken up through the addiction that needs to be released. And so I was punching bags, running or doing all sorts of things to try and clean myself out and get dissipate this energy that was that was just palpable inside of me. And if I didn't do that, I'd get very angry and I'd just scream at my husband and punch him, <laughs> fight with him. Oh, God. So. Right. Oh, my God, it was really <laughs> hectic. It was really quite disturbing. Yeah. Those first two years on the methadone was really bad. And then um, I was getting changed to go running or whatever, boxing, something, and I saw this sign, Ashtanga Yoga, 1 p.m., 
something went right. You're going. I'm going. Check this out. What's on? Let's go. So I went and this woman, Dr. Jean Byrne, who is an Ashtanga yoga teacher in Perth now, she was taking the course because she was studying at the at UQ and she was taking the class. And holy hell, I took the class and I've never sweated so much in my life. It was the absolutely outside of giving up heroin, it was the, one of the hardest things I've ever done. Actually, giving up cigarettes is pretty hard too. But and giving up anorexia and bulimia is pretty hard. They're all pretty hard, but it's pretty hard to do a right? Like it's it's yeah. a hard thing. And so it was just I just came out of that class so alive and so bombastic. It's like everything everything in my whole vision just opened up. Everything just opened up. Something happened. There was there was an atomic energy that got reblasted inside of me. And so then I, I did a few classes with her and then she referred me to a, a Stunga school. It wasn't a Stunga school. They would do like a hybrid Stunga thing here on the Gold Coast. And the woman said to me, you need to go and see Mark Togni. Yeah. And so she referred me to my teacher of 10 years, Mark, and um, then I started practising with him and it was just instant. It was just just beautiful. Like I, I remember the day when I met him. I, he's such a beautiful man. He's a Zen yeah. monk. I don't know if you know he's a Zen monk. I, op- I opened the door to go into his shala and he's just sitting there very quiet and very tranquil and serene. And he just looked at me. I started crying instantly, right? I just knew that I had to be with this man. I started crying instantly and he looked at me and he said, come in, sit down. I can help you. And that was it. I just did what he said for 10 years. I'm <laughs> just like, okay, whatever, let's do this, Mark. And so he just, for the first four years, he just gave it to me, everything. Like I finished primary, second, third, yeah, that's, fourth. That's where, I, that's where I came to, to seeing you first of all in that video with him, right? How long, I mean... It was an incredible video, that, that video yeah. of you practicing. I think you're practicing advanced A, right? Something like that. And well, how long did it, was it, do you find it very easy? Did it come pretty natural to you? How long did it take you to get to that level? How long you done, had you done it before you could? Uh, well, it was a good, it was a good four years that he just, I just practiced with him every day, you know, six days a week for four yeah. years. And it was not easy, it was harrowing. It was, there were some days I couldn't get out of bed. I was that sore. I'd have to walk to the, to the, I'd put a strap on the door and I'd pull myself <laughs> up on the strap because my body was in that right, much right. suffering. But I was still, you know, like I was still smoking bombs oh, okay. and vomiting. Like particularly when I started third series, the amount of nerve energy that was being generated, right, inside of me, and so much of that nerve energy was blowing out trauma, right, in my body and in my mind and in my psyche that, like, I don't believe that I had the capacity, my psyche, my psychic relatedness to myself and my inner self didn't have the capacity to to integrate what was actually happening with the practice. And so I'd finish practice and I'd go and do bulimia all day. Right. I just eat and vomit, eat and vomit, eat and vomit, eat and vomit all day. And then that passed as well. Yeah. That that actually passed as well. So right, you say, kind of driving back from practice, I'm just going to get in these huge ra- road rage incidents where it's kind of, I couldn't control the force of my body, right? Yeah. And what did Mark think? Was it, did he think that was a good idea? Oh, well, Mark was beautiful. He said, go and see this Grishkop. He knew, somehow he knew that it would clean me up, but he also sent me a gestalt therapist. He said, you need to go and talk to this woman. And so then I, I actually started gestalt every day for three, every week for three years, and it, that was the thing that saved me as well because I think the, the, the Ashtanga practice was just a big churning, nerve-generating, <sighs> 
and then just yeah, yeah, it. yeah, in a way, right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, did you think it? Did you come from a more tra- traumatic background than some? Do you think? In terms of kind of getting into the, um, well, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, my I had pretty pretty severe sexual abuse as a child right. um, from various people that used to come to our farm to um, shoot rabbits. Anyway, so yeah. that's another story. There's a fair bit of right. sexual mm-hmm. abuse there, and then years of anorexia. Whew, years of anorexia. Years of bulimia, years of heroin, um, and and also before that, like my the family that I grew up in had a lot of generational trauma. Like all of us, we all have generational trauma. Um, but that's an, that's another story. I don't know if you want me to get into that. Um, so the the very the way that I was born yeah. in the family, I had already interjected. And, and and had a lot of emotional trauma in the family yeah. before I arrived. So that's yeah. all there in vitro. Yeah. 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 No, I just want to, I suppose I just want to provide further context, you know, of you and your life. Um, mm-hmm. um, so, well, I mean, you know, just to you know, get on a more pragmatic note for a short time again, how did Mysore fit into all this? Because I think you could have you've done a lot of practice until you finally went to Mysore, right? What was that experience like? Yeah, um, I mean, from the very, what the experience was like. Okay, so I love Mysore. I love Mysore. I love India. I love Shirat. And I found myself, because of ignorance and unconscious childhood patterns within myself, I, I, became entranced in in what Mysore had to offer. So I, 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 I kind of jumped on the pendulum, so to speak, of what everyone was doing in Mysore, the thought That's energy. That's funny, I really Mysore. don't imagine you would do that. Yeah. Well, I did for like six months or so until I went, holy fuck, what's going on here? This is not me, you know what I mean? Like this is not me because like even though I'd jump on it, there was something, there was, there was this aching and hunger in my soul to go, you're, this is not real. This is not really who you are. You're, you're wild and you can think for yourself and you want to think for yourself. But out of fear of being kicked out of the tribe, I jumped on this pendulum. And, and then, you know, within the first year, I could see very clearly that this is not what my story is about for me. How many times do you go? I'm up to my this. If I go this season, if I get there this season, I think it will be oh, my really? seventh year. Right, and you're still going? Yeah, because you know why? Because something happens there. Huh. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so something happens there that I can't that I can't get anywhere else, and that right. I can't explain. There's something numinous that happens there. But it's because I'm trained in doing my inner work there and I use that whole experience as a scaffolding to, to delve deeper into my inner self. So I don't do the cafes and, I, you know, I don't do the... You don't hang out at cafes for hours, really? Right. No? No, I never go. <laughs> if someone invites me, I'll go. But I don't. I just walk the lake, go to the pool. Long breakfast. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, 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 no. I mainly go there to cry. <laughs> Well, I, so it's like, you know, I just go there and cry on the bed for three months. I think it's funny, though, that um, I, heard, I think I heard on maybe it was a Stanger Dispatch podcast with Peg and you said something like, well, Shrat looked at me and said, you're not just, when you first went, you're just doing primary for <laughs> for this trip or something like that, right? Because obviously... Yeah, you just... Cause you don't, I don't think he really likes me that much. <laughs> I'm sure he does. Because sure. <laughs> he knows that I'm fucking wild, yeah. you know. I was like, a, I, was, I can't tame this one. Yeah. <laughs> but it's always hard, though, right? When you kind of, you've done, I mean, you did all those series with Mark and then you go to Mysore for the first time, you know, and you go back to square one, right? And, you know, a lot of people have it. You're okay with that? 
Um, yeah, because, you know, like I, I, that first trip in Mysore and just doing primary again evidenced a part of myself that I, I, I knew but I didn't know. Right, I, there was a part of me that knew that there was childhood sexual abuse, but there was part of me that didn't know. Yeah, that had had completely yeah. repressed, mm, right, mm. and didn't want to know about it and didn't want to acknowledge it, mm. even though after everything that had happened in my life, symptomatically, I could see how that was happening. Yeah, and then when I did primary for one year. All of that came out because I had to feel. I just wasn't running into more postures or running away from heroin mm. or running away from anorexia. Or I had to feel. And when I felt and I dropped and I really sunk into the experience of being in my body, it all came up. And that, And in that... I actually, that's when I really started to use the practice as a, as, a, as a place, as a framework for me to touch the memory bank of my inner self. That's where all the memories, everything started churning, 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 churning. And you're like, I cried for a whole year. It's great. <laughs> What is so good? <laughs> you always cry. You, so you good. Half the time practicing, yeah. half the time crying. I think, don't you? Um, what? Yeah, what? half. The, and uh, there's a little bit of dancing, okay. and there's oh, yeah, a bit the of laughter yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I dance a lot. Yeah. There's an intensity there that I really like. Well, but I mean, in terms of this tradition thing, I don't know where you stand on the tradition, right? I mean, I, I'm kind of surprised you were still going to Mysore. You don't strike, strike me as a quote unquote traditional Mysore practitioner um, and you go to Mysore and you still practice the series as they are. Do you practice those series as they are at home? I mean, you're talking before the podcast about journaling when you're, you know, you're going to practice, you know, you're not keeping to the vinyasa, right? Like, so how, how do you find yourself in tradition, right? How do you use that? What does it mean for you? Eh? Well, okay, so no, I don't practice the traditional way here at home. When I'm with Shadat, I do exactly what you he says. You don't have a journal beside you. Right? I mean, I've ch yeah, no, I just go there and I do what he says and, I, and I, I'm here with you, let's do this, I, you know, I'm here with you. It's your, it's your show, it's your stage, it's your theatre. I'm a character, tell me what to do, right? You're the author. What, what does he say to you generally? Oh, he just ignores me. No, he doesn't yeah. like me. That's all right. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't, you know, he doesn't have to like me for me to do my practice. He doesn't have to. I go there because there's something else that happens there, you know. Praise doesn't come often, let's say. You know, when I, when I, when I finished Advanced Day with him, the, the last parting words that he were, you, disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> That's a bit harsh. Well, you know, there, there was some praise before that, so now and again. Actually, the only time he prayed, I, I think he was surprised was when I kind of popped into Ganda Beridasana. And I was given that and I did it straight away. And I think he was kind of he was slightly oh, yeah. taken aback at that. He wasn't he wasn't expecting that. But other than that, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> Never really impressed him that much. <laughs> but anyways, that's an aside. Um what so, but getting back to let me get back to let me get back to the tradition because there's something I've said. So it's similar to how um, it's similar to how I, I I I meet the tradition in my family. Right. Right. So I've always I'm not I'm not part of my family. I've always been on the outer of my family. You've got I've a big family. I've never stuck to their traditions. Right. I've always you know I've got a big family and they're really close. We're really close because of the suffering in my family. Everyone's really tight-knit. In fact, they're quite confluent. They, they pull energy on and off each other to exist, which is great, but I'm not that. I'm, not, I'm, I'm a lone soul. I'm just on the outer all the time. But in the same moment, I appreciate the tradition. I acknowledge the tradition. I accept the tradition. I have a deep reverence for the tradition. And for me... To be in the fullness of me and to be in the divine operating spirit of me 
and to be connected with the atomic intelligence of me, I can't be closed into any fabrications about what someone else is saying or what someone else is doing or how it's done or this is the way it should be because the spirit and and the force inside of me is always expanding. It's always illuminating. There's always something more. It wants me to be even more complex and alive than I was in the moment before. So it's all so I can't be boxed into anyone's ideas about that. Yeah. I don't know if I even explained that. Correctly. No, no, no. That, it's, it's, it's a complex subject. So so what does okay, so what does what does tradition what do you like about it when you say you accept it, you you know, um you love it, you know, what what do you what what is it that it gives to you? Well, it's an honoring. Right, it's right. an honoring of it's an honouring of your work. You know, like I honour all of your work and there's a part of that consciousness that holds me here because without that I wouldn't be here. And so I have deep reverence and gratitude for that and I can't be locked into that. I can't be bound into that. There's more. There's it's ever more, ever more, ever more. You know, the divine spirit, the operating atomic intelligence is always growing. It wants us to expand. You know, like, I'll just give an example. My parents have been on that farm. My dad is 72. He's been on that farm since he was eight years wow. old. Mm. And he still does things the same way. Yeah. Fuck that. I'm jumping on a plane and I'm going to Argentina. I'm going to my store. I'm going there. I'm doing this. I'm, do You know, like, whereas my sisters are the same. They're still there. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But that is not the way I see life. Yeah. Right? So, but I honour that. I go there. I hang out with them. I do what they want to do. But I, but I do my own thing. With, within that, I still do my own thing. I still eat my own food. I still practice. And they're still doing whatever they're doing. But I'm still doing my own thing. That's just the way I am. So the tradition is that holding of consciousness so I can expand, right, and that support in the background so I can expand. It's like with my husband. I do my own thing. I do, but his consciousness still in the background supports me and holds me. That's why I married him. You know why I married him? Because he never said no. He always said, yes, go. Right. Just go, Sam, do it. You know, like he doesn't, he doesn't suppress me in any way. My husband's just like, you do it, babe. Go, do it, do it, go, do it, you know. And so that's why I married him because there's no conditions. As an aside, I was always intrigued about it. As, as an aside, I was always intrigued about your husband. Like, you know, what's he like? Like, what does he do? What? Well, my husband's a carpenter. And it's really simple for Shane. Shane's, Shane, Shane's, Shane's like, see, I'm a fucking bitch, right? I am, I gotta work really hard to be a woman of grace and ease and love and affection. He's just a really good man. He's just born warm, right? right? He just likes people. And he is, it's really easy for Shane. He just watches football, drinks beer, yeah. loves his food. Sits, it's like he's sitting on the couch now, right, while I'm yeah. getting all excited about fucking Ashtanga. He's sitting on the couch watching yeah. rugby league. You know, oh, Sunday man. afternoon. Well, yeah, you yeah. Know, he, it's just easy. He goes fishing. He goes crabbing, you know, like he, like he, this morning he was crabbing, fishing, goes surfing. to relax. Just loves loves the dog. You know, like if I talk to him, this is the thing. I want to tell you this, Adam. The other night. I was talking to him about something that I, this project that I'm doing, and I started to talk to him about like a a rich intellectual topic, and he, he looked at me. He said, "He said to me, Sam, you're scaring me." And I went, "Why, babe?" He goes, "Because I don't understand anything that you're talking about, and I'm just getting scared of you. Can we just keep it really simple, like what we're having for dinner?" Yeah. And I just, I just love it. I just love it because 
you know, it's just it's just daily life with Shane. It's just daily life, and I have to find that intellectual stimulation right. outside. Yeah. We yeah. don't connect on, but you know, like my husband is very rich, rich yeah. in relationship. He's, he's, he loves relationship, you know. Like so, we connect on that level. I was always just intrigued you about know, the person you married, always, right? It's very <laughs> kind of yeah. I mean, you're. Yeah, yeah, complete yeah. opposite to me. Yeah. Complete opposite. So where, where do you go to to find that stimulation elsewhere? Do the practice, or you know, how do you how do you take that part of yourself and expand it? Well, um, I, I find a lot of stimulation in my Gestalt work and in my Gestalt clients. Like, oh, I, so you're teaching on that level, or or, or therapizing? Yeah. Yeah, in therapy yeah. and in teaching, but also, you know, like I'm also involved in various Jungian groups where I look at theatre and I look at film and I, and I engage on that level. But I, if I, I can't talk to my husband right. about that. He just wants to talk about <laughs> crabbing right. and fishing okay. and football <laughs> and fucking. That's real. What do we have for dinner? You know what I mean? But So I find it elsewhere. Can, can you talk about that as well? Do you know much about crabbing? I don't. I think I've been with him once. <laughs> We've been together twenty-one years, and I've been with him. I think I've been with him once. I think I've been on his I boat I, twice. I think I saw a, a little video though that you posted on Instagram of you of your family sitting down for for crabs or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, I was looking at that. Going, yeah, right. Everyone's picking them up. Yeah. Like, look at that. Look, yeah. 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 Is this? Is this? It's yeah. really easy, whereas life's really complex yeah, for yeah. me. And me too, you know. I mean, um, I think, you know, um, Teresa's more straightforward. My wife's more straightforward. And when I talk to her about philosophy in a, a couple of minutes and she's just like, wow. yeah, right. <laughs> Don't really understand that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, I say the same. We, we, we always bonded over food. Like, you know, I, I came as a chef to uh, Purple Valley where Teresa was running uh, Purple Valley and, and, and you know, she she always says she married me for my pizza. Um, so, you know, we still we still commute over food, really, which is, you know, it's great. Um, well, I mean, on the, on the side, um, you, I guess you probably don't eat the same, same stuff as your, your husband, right? And you're particular on diet, right? You've had issues with diet. I've done a, a number of things with people on diet. I've also said I've struggled with my own diet. I've been open with that. Um, what what kind of stuff do you eat? I usually use this, this question at the end, but, like, how does your diet go now? You found a, a bounce with it or some kind of piece with it. Uh, Adam, it's a constant right, struggle still for now. me. Right. It really is. You know, I yeah. I found some piece, yeah, but I found some piece in that I'm not doing anorexia and I'm not vomiting. So that's a win. Yes, Santina, well done. So in that in that regard, I'm not. It, it's not the symptoms are not there, but the core. The core grating inside of me and, and my unworthiness and my inability to express who I really am still rises and is and, and comes forward in food. Right. So it's ever-changing for me. What do I eat? I eat vegetables. I eat eggs. I drink juice, like celery juices. I uh, <laughs> eat crabs. Right. Ish. But I'm, but I'm still... I'm not free in it. I'm not. Yeah. I'm still not yeah. free in it, and I don't know whether I'll ever be, Adam. Yeah, I don't know whether I'll ever be, but I'm okay with that because if I'm not doing harm, it's all right. I have to be okay with it, otherwise, I'm judging myself, yes. and the recriminations yeah. topple yeah. me into an addiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm. A Remember what you saying also on that front, saying when you kind of every day it's a battle for the practice, right? And you get up and you kind of feel these feelings of unworthiness and, you know, and you kind of battle to get on the mat and you're still feeling that. No, it's not a battle to get on the mat. I fucking love it. It's a, it's a battle for me to try and push myself into advanced series now. I don't, I don't like, you know. If I go back to my saw, Shadat's going to expect me to do advanced A, and I haven't done it for a year or more since I saw him last. 
doing little bits and pieces, but I don't want to push myself like that because for me the practice is a place where I find that animating force, the anima inside of me that mediates between my conscious mind, my unconscious mind, and the collective unconscious. This is like just that light trance that I put myself in appeases my mind enough for what is unfinished to come to the surface. And I love that. There's nothing more enriching for me to go into that light trance and listen very attentively to all that is arising and all that is unfinished. I liked that uh, that description of the light trance, yeah, which you mentioned before before we started. And the light trance comes from the vinyasa, right, and the and the movement within that that it makes this. It does, doesn't it? It makes this kind of a different kind of conscious yeah space. Yeah, with the rhythm, you're you're swaying now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, you know, no one else can see you, but I can see. Yeah, oh, you can't see me. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, you know, like the but it's like the that 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 the, the yeah. breath, the, the movement, the everything creates just just appeases the mind enough to go into a trance to allow what has been stifled to arise. It's like there's this 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 anima, this anima, this force, this animating spirit that comes and mediates between your mind, your conscious mind, the unconscious mind, and the collective unconscious. And it's all there for you. If you tune in, it's all there. Then once you tune into that, you want to get on your mat. You're not, you don't care about whether you can get your leg over your head or how it looks. You're there and you're alive and you're feeling it and you're loving it because you're getting this self-understanding. Something very numinous comes alive in you and you're loving this meaning that you're making about your very existence. Mm. For me, there's nothing outside of that, Adam. What's the fucking point of it all if you doesn't create more meaning about you and you're not mm. interfacing with your inner self? What does it mean? What does it mean? I don't know what it means outside of it just continually giving me more understanding of myself. No, that's good. No, Sorry, you're you're, you're welcome to get intense. Um, I like it. So, I mean, you talk, you you talk, <laughs> you talk about the like the feeling and coming into the feeling and getting involved in feelings. You know, and again, I wanted to pull more out of this this idea of understanding yourself through feelings and and also the right or wrong feeling because when you're encouraging students to feel and not worry about the postures and feel themselves and you know and and go into that. Well, what if? How do you know what feeling's right? You know, what if someone comes to you and says, like me, well, I don't know what to feel. Um, <laughs> where do you start there? Or I've got all these different feelings. Which should I pick? What, what should, which one should I feel? <laughs> so the first thing I would say to a student is feelings right. are just feelings. There's no wrong or right feelings. Because all the feelings that are arising are feelings that you have suppressed since you were a child. So at some point when your psyche, when your psychic relatedness becomes strong enough and feels supported enough, those feelings will feel ready to surface. Right? And so it's not wrong to feel this and it's not right to feel this. It's more about you developing a relatedness to your feelings arising and actually setting an intention and having a willingness to allow those feelings to arise, whether they're feelings that are just sitting in your body or whether you're actually emoting. And for the first for the first part, it's like some students, they've never been allowed to emote, right? What I mean by that is cry or, 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 yeah. or get angry or feel rage or feel grief. And so they've never been allowed to emote. Yeah, right? So they, they, they're they emoting. They, they come to practice and they're, they're busted up. They're emoting, right? And then once that once they allow that to happen, then they can actually start to monitor and manage those emotions. So they feel it arise and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling anger. And now if I go a little bit deeper, 
I'm feeling grief. And if I go a little bit deeper, I'm feeling sadness. And what's that about? Oh, that's about this experience that I had whenever. Right? So you have to train yourself to feel that. Yeah. And on to, to that note, I mean, I want to get through as much as I can with you. I mean, you, you know, you mentioned before that you're kind of left with all these feelings when we started, you know, like driving back in the car after doing advanced day series, just really, you know, mad and, and you know, keyed up. Right. And, and I remember that with advanced posture as well. Like it does, it, it does stir up a lot. And I don't think for me, I necessarily knew the emotions that it was stirred up. I just kind of felt like pretty out of it and kind of confused. I remember oftentimes in my saw, you know, kind of getting on the motorbike to go back home and just, you know, I don't know what, you know, like just crazy. <laughs> what do you, I mean, there isn't really any holding space for this. It's just like, and, and, the practice, the Ashtanga practice is so intense and it stirs up so many emotions from the, the, the nervous stimulation that you're going through. And I, I kind of feel like, well, you came to a, a, a way with the gestalt of processing that. But for a lot of students, they don't have that, right? They're just, you know, just left high and dry. You know, here you go. Here's this medicine. It's really intense. And now just go out in the world <laughs> you know, with all this stuff coming up. You know, it seems a bit unfair. What do you think about that? Thoughts, comments? Yeah, I think it's, I actually think it's very unfair. I think, I think it's very unfair. And I think that it's actually quite negligent to, to just let, let, you know, a student's feeling something and not somehow support that student to find the resources or somehow um, engage in a relationship on some level with that student. For them to 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 actually meet, to to meet their experience, to to come to some understanding. Because you do gestalt, you go do gestalt with. Yeah, that's that's the way I teach. Flesh out how you taught. So you you do you do gestalt with Ashtanga yeah, now. That's the way I teach. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like within the Mysore room, it's not a very yeah. like my Mysore room isn't a traditional Mysore room. There's lots of talking. Can you give example? You know, there's lots of teaching. Um, well, f- for instance, when when you sign up for a five day intensive with me, you, I give you various written <laughs> applications that you right. have to attend to every oh, night after right. you finished yeah. your practice. <laughs> Right, so that's or that already gets you into the process of looking at what the fuck is going on. What is actually going on? How how, how many students do you get for this? And I mean, in the morning, you can guarantee. I wouldn't have the balls to sign up. Not many, not many people want to do this. Right. With. No, I would. <laughs> I not going to dare to sign up with you. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> no, no. People don't want to do this work. People just want to get their leg over their head. Exactly. It sounds a lot easier. <laughs> give me a, give me advanced postures any day. Right. So, so you see, so you do it. So there's there, there's stuff that they do in the evening and at the time when you know when you're saying about your own practice, you're stopping and you're writing stuff down, you're reflecting, and you're doing that with them as well at the time. So it's like this. You, so, so you, you say you're doing an online course with me. You'll get an application, right? So say you're a new student. You'll get an application. You have to do journaling and you have to do reflective conscious work, right? Then in the morning you will come into the sitting with me and there will be an hour of sharing before we even start the practice. So there's an hour yeah. of contact, an hour oh my God. of everyone talking yeah. and, and yeah. allowing the application to arise, right? And then they start their practice and they have to journal and listen intently as to what has happened overnight, what happened in the session and what's arising now. So all of the unfinished business is coming to the surface. And no, no one wants to do this work, but good luck. What what if you what if you get a student like me? What if you get a student like me who says I don't feel anything. Why can't I do Kapitasana yet? What do you say to them then? They say to you, like, I don't really feel anything. I don't feel anything. 
I just want to do Kapitasana. Why? Sorry, what? If you, you can't feel anything. Yeah. yeah. Well, what do I say to them then? It's like, well, what stops you from doing Kapitasana? What stops you? You know, like what? What's stopping you? From, and then I'll say, well, okay. So if if and you might say to me, well, I've got this back thing, and I've got this. So I'll say to you, so what's in your back? Who's in your back? Oh, I've got this, and I've, and the, so the story comes out. Right. Yeah. I suppose I wanted. It wasn't a in suicide comment. I just yeah, just wanted to see how the practical was fused with the inner work. Right. Right. So for you, it, it's the the map of the body is showing the inner spirit. Right. It's a there's a there's a direct correlative. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like when a student comes and they start moving. There's a story there. There's a story of the soul, right? The soul is telling a story there, and there's many characters within that person playing out on theatre that they are unaware of. And so you have to find a way, I have to find a way, I choose to find a way to bring those aspects, those storylines, those characters into conscious awareness so this person can then make choice and, and have choice around which characters they want to play out in their life because they're, they're, they are the author. They are the author of their life. But if they don't know how they're writing the manuscript, how can they ever get more understanding? How can they ever transform into something else? You're writing it. You're writing the story, but you're consciously unaware of how you give it away. You give the you ma- you give the manuscript off to someone else rather than writing it yourself. Of course you did. And what, so, what's the manuscript for for you? What's the what's the yoga for? I mean, you're not doing any chanting or or you know I don't hear you talk about yoga philosophy. You know, it's more phrased upon. Relationship, right? Relationship with the self, relationship with the other, that right? Yeah. So that's the process. It's is is a cause. Yeah. That's it. I don't chant. I don't do yoga philosophy. I don't do any of that. I don't want to. I don't have a calling for. All I want to do is use the practice to learn about myself. Because everything else is an idea about someone else. Now that takes a mm. lot of courage because I'm on my own, Adam. And not everyone in the Ashtanga world is going to agree with what I'm doing. They probably say to me, you don't even practice Ashtanga. That's not Ashtanga. There are other people. There are other, you know, it's, it's true. There are other people that, that are into this. Yeah. But yes, you you know, within the Ashtanga world, you're definitely. Well, good. Prefer <laughs> them. Let me know who they are so I can talk to them. <laughs> yeah, so it's about, it's about, fine, you know, like the thing for me is also, it's like, I have been in a death instinct for the most part of my life, right? I've been trying to kill myself off, right? And the practice allows me to connect in very intimately with the eros in my life, which is the love aspect in my life, which is that that spirit and that instinct to thrive, not in the Cupid sense but in that love aspect to thrive as as a being of of God as a, as a as as a being of something greater. So there's a lot going on in there outside of Ekam Dway, which is useful. Yeah, it's useful. It works. And for me, there's more, lots more. Do you think it's essential to include different modalities in the practice? Or would you say for some people the practice is simply enough? Or is there always an you know I, I think I think I think it it depends. It depends on the student. Okay. I don't want to say yeah. a definitive yes or a definitive yeah. no there. Because some people, wherever they are in their psychic psychic relatedness to themselves and their, their psychic capability, right? And their psychic development, yes, they'll need more. And and no, maybe that like if you like me, I came to the practice completely trashed psychically physically emotionally so i needed more right 
but you can come to the practice psychically adjusted and you may not need that. Maybe you get it from, you do your practice and you get it from your kids, you know, that extra bit or you get it from your church, whatever it is. I don't think it's, I don't think it's black and white in that regard. I think every student, depending on their relatedness to themselves and, and their own their own spiritual romance that they have going on in their mind with their own understanding of God and themselves needs different things. And 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 that's what I that's that's how I wish Ashtanga to be, to have that uh, that that flexibility for each person to practice and then do whatever they need to do as a holistic form of of growth and 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 Love and, and affection for themselves. I don't even know if I made sense there. <laughs> You're always making sense. Don't worry about that. <laughs> well, I mean, on a, pra- on a practical note, like you're teaching, how do you actually teach the system? Are you sticking to the, the prescribed postures? And what if someone can't? I mean, oh, yeah. what if someone can't yeah, do yeah. a. You know, what if someone can't do a lotus? You, you know, I don't imagine you jamming them into the lotus. How does that? You know, how does that go, right? Because, you know, I mean... You're- so as best I can, I stick within the system of postures that have been taught to me, right? Because there's something yeah. in that that is 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 very whole, wholesome for the body and something that works. It worked for me, so I stick with it. Right. And yeah. Yeah. if someone yeah. can't get into Lotus, I will teach them how the knee works. I will teach them... How the bone rhythm rotates in the in the hip joint. I will teach them about fascial lines, right? So without it being an anatomy course, I teach them how to move their body and how their body is formed so then they can feel for that rather than to jam themselves into that because that's the way the tradition is yeah 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 so i teach the student to have a more loving relatedness and understanding of their anatomical structure but i think you really teach it it's an interesting way you teach it right because you teach it through feelings really right you teach it through getting them to feel it rather than just telling them what you're you know through anatomical terms like there's some you know Different ways to teach. Some teachers will teach it quite. Oh, you know, talking about anatomy, and I saw a video of you doing a, a backbend with this guy, right? And you're kind of like, you're kind of like stroking his arms, right? And it, it, in such a manner that I could just, you know, in, in such a beautiful manner that I could just see, you, you know, the conveyance of the of the feeling and the relationship between the two of you, right? Um, yeah, it looks really looks. A unique, yeah, it looks unique and and really. Yeah, thank you, Adam. Yeah, thank you for for um, beautiful way to teach. Being able to see the the subtlety and the nuances in that, and that that the the capacity to do that with someone comes from the capacity inside of yourself to feel to feel beyond just sensation. So you have a sensation. Yeah, it's there. Now you can get stuck in that sensation and you can create a whole story around that sensation or you can go deeper into the body, into the fascia, into the system and and felt sense, felt sense of the body and you can experience something so atomic, so atomic in there and then once you, once you, you, you train yourself in yourself to feel that, then you meet someone and you, you're teaching them to get into a posture, they can feel the consciousness in which you have gone to inside of yourself. The depth of your work is then transmitted through transference. And I don't know how the fuck that happens. I don't think anyone knows. At that point, there is where God interfaces. God interfaces with you and your relatedness with that person. They drop into something and something very, very special happens. Now, if you haven't felt that, you can't convey that, so they won't experience that. Now, you can do all the anatomy you want in the world, which is great. You need to know. But unless you can feel deep inside, beyond beyond sensation, 
You cannot offer that to a student. And you can't lie to someone's psyche, Adam. They know. You can use all the fang-dangled words in the world. They mean nothing because you teach with your energy, Adam. Now, your energy, your nerve energy, your magnetism comes from your inner work. It doesn't come from how many fucking postures you pumped out. That's what I believe anyway. What? When you talk about the feeling, right, like how you, the feelings come up, how do you reconcile those feelings? Okay, they're, they're all there, right? Once they're acknowledged, do they just pass? Is that it? No, I don't believe that. Because as you say, you could, have, you could feel a sensation, you could go into the sensation. Is that a good thing? I mean, if you look at the other aspect of, of yoga, which is simply kind of all, almost to kind of block it all out. If we take, if we take the, the tradition in the, or the Indian tradition of thinking in the, in the, in the worst, uh, way we can, the Chitta Riti Narodaha is, is just thought suppression or complete suppression of being, or it potentially could be, right? Look, look, Adam, personally, that may work for some people. Okay, and it, it probably does work for some people, but in my experience, that doesn't work for me. For me, and like like for the first you know th- four years of practice, it was just emoting, 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 getting angry, being raged, right? Now, now after training myself and doing my therapy and and interfacing with my deeper self and my inner mind. I write down the experience, I write down all the people, all the resentments, and then I go into my imaginal realm and I see where that unfinished business has come from. And invariably it's a childhood experience or an encounter with a loved one, whether it's a a romantic encounter or someone from my past, and there's, there's a feeling there of powerlessness or sadness or um, unworthiness that has not been felt. Now, for me, I need to go back and I need to revisit that and I need to see it clearly that that is not me now. Even though it's still here now, it is not me now. And I need to allow that psychic reformation to happen because it does. It does. You you live in imagination. We live in imagination. Everything is an imaginal trance in my understanding. That's what I believe. If it's not what you believe, I don't know, but that's everything's an imaginal trance. When I go back into my imaginal realm and I sort out those trances that are still pressing forward, they're all still here for me. They need to be completed. That releases a whole bundle of bound up energy at them. And that refreshes me for a new encounter with my husband, with you here, with Shadar, with my students, with my mother, with my father. So all of this energy that's bound up in that background trance, I call it the undergrowth, it gets snapped away by me going and finishing it off and seeing it very clearly and reinterpreting what the fuck happened. And and then interfacing with that in the moment. Here I am with my husband. I'm here with my husband. A 14-year-old turned up. How did that happen? Oh, because there was a past event that just reminded me of that and it's here, but I'm acting like a 14-year-old when I'm 46. Hold on. What's happening here? Right? So that's, for me, the awakening process, that, that awakening to... I'm 46, but I'm still 14 in here. And then you, you make sense of that and things start to shift and it's like I'm actually here with you, babe, as a 46-year-old who's still suffering, but I'm here with you and I'm willing, I'm willing to make contact and interface with you as your wife. Man, it all sounds like it. It's so much fun. It seems, sounds like it demands a lot of energy. It must you must be so tired at night when you go well, when you go else? to bed. <laughs> you 
<laughs> yeah, I'm tired. I'm tired. But if I don't do that, I'm doing addiction. Yeah, right. That energy is coming out for the love of yeah, life. Yeah, I can see that. I can yeah, see for that. the love yeah. of life, for the love of life, for the love of life, right? And for the love of, of, of holy fuck, I'm in here. Wow. And you know, like that, you can let yourself. You can let yourself go to sleep, and you can be passive and do what my husband does: sit on the couch. It's fine. I'm not that. I sat on the couch for many years, shooting up. I want to live, and Ashtanga gave me that. That's why I continue to practice. So, what's your aim with practice then? Where, 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 where are you going with it? What do you want out of it now? Where do you, where do you want to go? I have no idea. <laughs> I have not, I don't know. I don't know. I just meet it every day. I meet it every day. This is what's happening. Oh, yeah, okay, right. This is, this is, this is, who, this is who's here with you because there's always some person that is unfinished that's here with me that I need to. Uh, I, Do you not think you might get to a place where you're just, you're just there as a person without the past? Is that, would that be an aim? I hope so, but I don't know whether you can completely obliterate the past. It's all still um, maybe it's still probably, you know, neurologically hardwired. Mm. You know, like if I go back, if I go back in my memories, I can still remember and feel into being a heroin addict. Mm. Right? It's all there. But in terms of my aim for practice, it's just a spiritual ceremony. It's just a spiritual romance that I have with myself. I don't have any aim other than bring it, you know, use use it as a as a as a framework, as a scaffolding for me to go inside and and, and deeply feel into the houses of my psyche. And you use your body. You have to. You, that's the only way you can do it. You got to feel into your body and the, the practice works for me it works not for everyone so it's definitely a kind of a resolution of your yourself in the material realm rather than you kind of going somewhere or you know it's not transcendental in your in your mind I, yoga philosophy being about you know reconciling oneself in reality in a deeper manner, right? Like <clears throat> samsara reincarnation. Oh, I don't know yeah, about right. any of that, Adam. I'm just maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. Like there's still someone else's idea, yeah, right? right. All, all I can work with is is what I've got here and it's all there in my body. Yeah. Right? And I know and I know that there's my body and then there's my mind. And then there's the, uh, my unconscious mind, and then there's a collective unconscious that is there, and it's all there, right? And all I need to do is soften myself enough for me to go into a light trance to interface with all this, not to escape it, not to get to samadhi, nothing, just what is happening now. And if I reach samadhi, wonderful, and if I don't, Wonderful. This this it makes my husband's on the balcony looking. <laughs> Adam, Adam, my husband's on the balcony looking at me, going, "You're so beautiful." He's, he's, he's mouthing to me. "You're so beautiful" because he can see me getting into it. <laughs> it's so funny. I love him so much. Sorry. Yeah, go you're on. definitely one of the most animated subjects. Yeah, there's a lot of for the for the listeners. There's a lot of movement on camera. Um, you're you're gonna miss out on that. Listening, <laughs> listening to this podcast with us yeah. she's moving around all the time um well so so on a practical note like if you're teaching right like this would suggest to me that you're going to make students move a lot slower right in the practice you're not going to keep with a vinyasa count and get them to do five breaths in a posture right like it would so you know yeah right so how long do you practice so yeah, I ask them to go slow. I mean, as best as best as possible, keep the rhythm. You got to keep the rhythm, right? But as best as possible, keep the rhythm, but still really take that time to feel. Most things are you can't feel when you're 
lickety split going down the road to the next thing. <laughs> Some great phrases. <laughs> Fandangled being one of them, lickety right. split being the other. Was it Fandangled, lickety split? So what? Yeah, no, that's great Australian phrases. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what um what does your practice look like then? I mean how how many are you doing like you know, I can just imagine you doing kind of second series for five hours, you know, like you know five minutes each no. each posture. No 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 no, 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 like you know. Okay. No, 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 no. I still do I still do the 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 intermediate series in two and a half hours, two hours fifteen. But you know, like I, I don't have to finish. Right? I don't have to finish to make it a solid, intense practice that awakens me. You know, like most days I get to Krandavasana and that's enough. Some days I might finish. But it's 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 a it's a constant it's a constant listening, not only to what's going on inside, but also listening to this this silent power. There's this silent buzz that when you get overwhelmed and you get conflicted, if you tune in, you tune in, it carries you. It informs you. It is the, it, it's the part of you that takes you out of all of your fabrications. You know, and so and I suppose if I get back to it, that's my aim. That's my aim in practice. My aim is in practice is to is to really attune myself to that power, which is whatever you want to call it, atomic intelligence, God, divine intelligence, the divine operating system, the primal, whatever you want to call it. But it's something that is beyond what I cognitize. And then, you know, I'll start at Krandavasana one day and I'll do Krandavasana through to, you know, all of this all of the legs over the head postures in in um in advanced day. And that's enough. If you do those postures correctly, that is enough for me. When I am feeling so deeply and so reverently, it's just awesome. I love it. Rather than it's flogging myself. Because someone said I had to do this and that and whatever, and then I'm just always tired. <laughs> we'll say. But that's not for everyone. I'm not saying it's the way it has to be. That's just the way I do it, you know. But when I get to my sore, I'll do what he says because I love him. Well, um, I'm sure I love he loves you too. Um, what? Just like, <laughs> like I love all my teachers, you know, like they're just, yeah. I think I also heard you say that it's like something about giving yourself a way to to the practice, like submitting, right, or something to do with that. Because you don't want to, you know. Uh, yeah, is that that right? Quote of, of something I heard you say that you don't want, you don't have to, you don't want to kind of give yourself to the discipline of it, but giving yourself over to it. There's a kind of reverence in there. It's like it's like I so I I I submit myself to the framework of Ashtanga, right? As as something that I do every day, as a devotion that I do every day. So then I can allow something richer inside of me to come to the surface. It's not like I just submit myself to some tradition that someone once said. And I still honour that tradition because they gave me this beautiful framework. So thank you. It's like my parents. They gave me a beautiful framework of virtues to do my life and there's some that I need to do better for me because that's my spiritual journey. And it's not to say that you're wrong or bad or it doesn't work. No, it's just... Thank you, and I'm doing this, and I'm coming back to kiss you. <laughs> right, I'm coming back to honour you, like yeah, I go home yeah, to my family yeah, yeah. and kiss them and honour them, and then I leave again. You know, it's the same thing. It's a, just a deep love for them and life and livingness and 
Look at this. Wow. Woo. We're here. Let's get in it. No, I could listen to you for hours. I, you know, I'm just talking around in circles now. I hope no, you're so intense and it's, it's wonderful. Oh, um, look, we have to finish there. Let me, um, let me ask you, I'll ask you, what do you like to do outside yoga? What I always say guilty pleasure, but oh. I don't really want to ask you a guilty pleasure because God knows that'll trigger a whole lot of stuff. What? And keep it. You know what, you know what I like to do? Keep it, keep my, it family. My, no, 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 Mike, <laughs> this is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So one thing that that I I that I found that and, and I can't do it very often, but it's this: like I I go to the glacial rivers and lakes in the Andes, like oh, wow. Argentina, and yeah, oh, so good. I swim. There's something in that water. There's something well, you in swim that water. In the ice. I don't know that will kill you. You haven't got much body fat. To- yeah, like like I swim in the glacial. Jesus. I swim in the glacial waters and then I've got to, and then I get so cold, this is what I love, I get so cold that I have to, I walk back to my cabin, which is anywhere between one to two kilometres, and I can't lock the cabin because my hands are so cold that I can't turn the key to open it. But in that, from the point when I leave the water to the cabin, there's a whole psychic trance that is coming up right? All these memories and all this stuff is coming to the surface and my body, my body wants to run and I'm not running. It's running itself and I'm running down those those stony stony roads in Argentina because there's not much bitumen and I'm running as fast as I can and this primal derivative force is taking over me and then at some point it takes over there's like a psychic boom in my brain. There'll be a memory from the past that'll blow out the circuitry. I'll fall on the ground, cry my eyes out, get up. And something's changed, Adam. Something's changed. So good. That's my greatest pleasure. That's my greatest pleasure. And I can't, I've only do it in other <laughs> I've tried to do ice baths. It's not the same. <laughs> well, <laughs> this is not the same. I think you call yourself a wild woman, and you really are wild in the best in the best sense. A wild woman, yeah. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, just adventure, brother. Adventure. <laughs> Thank you, Santina, for coming on. Yeah. Adventure, beauty. And relatedness, you know, it's great. Thank you for having me. It was good fun.